Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs. Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. Instacart for the win. It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And good morning. Welcome into the program. Happy Thursday to you. See, I have to look at the computer every day to know what day it is. I would never know otherwise. Uh, we've got a great day. A great program for you today, and we're going to start things off. We're going to be talking more about the civil service exam. We have joining us from the New Bedford Police Department, Lieutenant Scott Carolla, Sergeant Matthew Rodericks, and we're going to be talking about what is coming up uh, to help people who have applied to become New Bedford police officers. Also, they're here. They've got $5,000 in cash for anybody that wants to apply. <laughs> They've got plenty to hand out. No, but that 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 is good news that... Um, that the, the, they were putting more of an effort into recruiting some officers. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, uh, any any tools at our disposal that we can use, we're uh, we're looking for. You know, and we appreciate last time um, when the registration process was open for civil service testing, we were able to come on, uh, Tim, and uh, your show and, and try to get people to sign up for it. So uh, I'm hoping the boost helped. I think it probably did, and uh, we'll we'll see. Well, do we know how many people might have applied with a focus on New Bedford? Do they give you that info? No, we don't have that info yet from civil service. So when, when would they normally tell you that? After the testing has been done and when they get the results in? And Correct. We'll probably see the results sometime this summer, late June, early July. Okay. But, yeah. you know, in the meantime, you know, we talked uh, the last time about how the New Bedford Police <laughs> Department is looking to do more to help the people who are applying for that. And that's that's something that you have coming up. Right. It's something that, uh, you know, hasn't been done in the past because, like I, I said, traditionally, Tim, it's, um, you know, we're, we're getting into the business now of recruitment and, uh, you know, our whole, entire industry. It's not something that we ever had to do before. It's uh, It was a business that sold itself. And now we find ourselves in a situation where we're, you know, we're trying to recruit people uh, f- for the job. So we're uh, to that end we're 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 pulling out all the stops. So one of the things that we're planning to do now that we have gotten people to sign up for the test and take the test, we want to help them prior to game day. And, uh, you know, like I've said before, I would rather uh, it, test preparation can help you be more relaxed when you go in on test test day. And I would rather know half the information and be completely relaxed than uh, know everything and, and be a nervous wreck. So that's, that's, the, that's the trick behind taking a test. So we think that preparation can go a long way to help people, uh, you know, when it comes that Saturday morning and you're going to take the test. If it is, is Saturday morning, is it? It's, yeah, it's usually on Saturday. It's usually Saturday morning, yeah. And, and so this, this is, uh, you know, designed to make you feel more relaxed, to get you familiar with it. So will it be sample tests? Is that the idea? Yeah, they, so the, 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 so the, um, the website provides a sample test. So what we're going to do is we're going to take that test. Uh, we're going to do it in a group setting. And then the plan is to go through 
each and every question and not only discuss why an answer is correct, but it's equally important to know why an answer is not correct. Because a lot of times in these tests, the the answers look, uh, you know, the way it's designed, the answers kind of look to, you know, some one is just more correct than another. They're not like way off where they, okay, this is, you know, B, C, and D are obviously wrong and A is correct. Sometimes A is pretty close to B and the differences are subtle. So it helps to have, you know, some preparation when you go in and say, listen, these are the key words that you're looking for. When they use words like all or every, you know, those are absolutes. So, you know, that should be a flag that goes up. So uh, I'll be there. Uh, Sergeant Rodgers will be there. We also have Captain uh, Derek Belong of the North End Station. He's going to be there on the on the test preparation day and he actually has a good amount of experience training individuals to take promotional exams uh so you know he was uh, he would train patrol officers to become sergeants sergeants to become lieutenants um so you know he he knows a lot of the ins and outs he's uh he's somebody that can really help um an individual prepare for a test and so we're lucky to have him there on that day uh, Sergeant Rodericks, you you obviously took the test far more recently than Lieutenant Corolla. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. But you twenty three years. <laughs> you were you were talking last time you were here about the test itself and about the the preparation process. And so, what's it like being in that room on the Saturday morning taking this exam? Is it something you know? Should people be thinking it's something like when you would go in for the SATs, or uh, is it more like a, a, a smaller individual classroom test? Yeah. So they uh, I believe now it's all computerized. Um, when I took it, it was handwritten, but um, usually there's 15 to 20 in the classroom. Um, and like I said earlier, uh, the last time we were here, this is not a test where, like Lieutenant expounded on earlier, it's not always a right and wrong answer. Um, there are three sections to this test. Uh, the first section is an ability test. Now, this is just a series of questions to check your reading comprehension, your problem solving ability, and your reasoning. Um, they'll give you a short example and it's a multiple choice, A, B, C, and D. Now they're looking for the best possible answer. It's not always um, clear and obvious, but they'll give you a short scenario, like you're reporting to the crime of vandalism at an abandoned warehouse. As you pull up, you see a van leave. What is the best way to articulate that in a report? And they'll give you four examples, and they ask you to choose what they, you think is the best possible answer. So, and then with, with that in mind, they're really looking not so much about whether or not, because as we've talked about before, the, you're not expected to know how to be a police officer when you sit down and take this test. They're just looking to kind of see what your inclinations are and what your thought process is. Absolutely. They're just looking for certain characteristics, problem solving, reasoning, uh, characteristics that are important about being a police officer. Not necessarily, um, like there's not right or wrong answers. You know what I mean? It's yeah, not they're not like, going to ask you chapter and sections yeah, of laws, no law. you know, or anything like that. So, like I, you know, as you've alluded to, uh, Tim, when I took the test, I needed uh, parchment, and we brought in our own <laughs> inkwells, you know. <laughs> but yeah, no. But I, th there are certain ways. That, you know, when you say to yourself, well, you know, reading comprehension, you either have it or you don't, right? If you if you're able to read a section of uh, writing and comprehend it properly, but there are there are little tricks to that. Like one of the tricks that I learned a long time ago was read the questions before you read the passage because when you read the passage certain words will stick out to you oh i know i was asked about that so just just little little tips little tricks that can go a long long way on game day and that's what we're going to focus on i'm going to assume too that some of the questions that they ask have changed over time so not only is the format of taking the test different than when you each took it but they probably as police work has evolved and changed with the time so have probably some of the questions on the test yeah they change every every cycle it's a new it's a completely new exam
So somebody who might have taken this in the past and didn't end up pursuing a job, you know, they, they do need to come and learn some of this ahead of time because there will be changes to what they saw last time. Right. I think the, um, the three sections remain the same. It's the ability test, the work styles questionnaire, and the life experience uh, survey. Um, those three sections stay the same, but the questions change. And would this be something that, so obviously anybody who has already registered to take the test should come and, and take part in this. Uh, would it be something that you'd be open to having people who are thinking about it but haven't quite registered yet? Yeah, I mean, if, they, if, you know, if we have room um, at the location, uh, that's fine. We're, we're going to accommodate as many people as we can on that day. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't, you know, conceivably this is for people that have signed up for the test and, uh, you know, have an interest in working in New Bedford specifically. Uh, but if you have people that are from out of town and heard of this opportunity to come and practice with us. If you have people that have never taken a civil service test, aren't signed up for this one, but might do it next year, uh, we're welcome to that as, you know, we're open to that as well, as long as we have room. And we're gonna be having this, uh, this practice exam uh, at Keith Junior High School. Uh, and it's gonna be in the community room on Saturday morning. That's the, that's the room that's on the northeast corner of uh, the building. And so I'm gonna throw up some more details on Facebook, but it was, I wanted to see where we were at first in terms of people that were interested in, in joining us, because we, we'd either have, you know, uh, do it in our media room, which is significantly smaller, or if I got a good outpouring of interest, uh, you know, I would arrange to have it someplace differently. So the email started to come in, and uh, it seemed like a lot of people were interested, and I suspect that after we go on, um, on this show today, we probably will have even more. So that's, we've arranged to have a bigger, uh, more comfortable venue. Yeah, I'm just thinking there's probably some people out there who want to do this, but are just nervous about a test. And so they, they are reluctant to sign up to take the test as much as they want to be able to, to become a New Bedford police officer. The idea of a test kind of terrifies them. And some people are like that. Some people are just not test people. So what would you say to somebody that's, that's think, you know, has that mindset going into it? I want to serve, but I find this test to be a stumbling block staying in the way of me, standing in the way of me being able to do that. Test anxiety is a, uh, is a real obstacle and the only way out is through. So, you know, if the more practice that you can get, the more comfortable you're going to feel. So, you know, coming in on that day, learning, you know, uh, some things, learning your strengths, learning your weaknesses and saying, you know, it's just way I, I'm glad I learned this here today because, you know, now when this test comes a couple of weeks from now, this is a mistake I would have made and now I won't make it because I have this uh, preparation that's going to, it's going to make you feel a lot more confident. So I think that's, um, you know, it, by all means, if you have that anxiety, everybody has, a, you know, everybody's going to have some anxiety when they take a test. But, uh, you know, if, if, if it's an overwhelming anxiety, this is probably going to be able to take that edge off a little bit. I'm normally somebody who, if you give me a test where it's about the knowledge that I've gained and like things that I can memorize and learn, I can ace those tests. If it's a test where it's like, this is just a personality test to get to know about your thinking and your rationale, those are the ones that scare me because I'm like, well, I don't always arrive to conclusions the same way that other people do. And so that would make me question whether or not my conclusions are the right ones. But as you were saying, uh, 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 Sergeant Rodericks, there's no real right or wrong answers necessarily, but there's the process of why they might be correct or incorrect. Correct. Uh, also, like I said earlier, um, for example, they have a work styles questionnaire. Now they ask you certain questions and they wanna know if you strongly disagree, disagree, you're unsure, you agree, or you strongly agree. And they'll ask you certain questions like, I like to set goals and strive to achieve them. Now if you just go right down the board and hit unsure, the, test, uh, the people that are grading these tests are gonna think you're an indecisive person. 
So I found it that you'd either you take a strong stance. So these are little things that we're going to go over when we take this practice exam. And I think that that will, you know, I think that will really help people understand um, that the the exam isn't about, you know, what they expect them to be as much as it is about, you know, who they are. And, and, and you've already been studying for that your entire life. You know, you've spent a lifetime building up your character, so you don't have to worry about changing it just based on what this exam is. That's correct. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So again, it's going to be happening uh, this Saturday. It's not going to be this Saturday. It's going to be uh, Saturday, March eleventh. So you okay. have uh, you have a week and a half. It's going to be March eleventh. It's going to begin at ten a.m. Keith Junior High School in New Bedford. Um, I would allow a good you know at least two or three hours uh, for us to for us to take the exam and then go over it and give you some tips and, and things like that. So. Uh, give us, you know, give us the morning and the uh, very early part of the afternoon, and uh, it could pay off for you when that, you know, comes. It's free. It's uh, it's open to you. If you're interested in it, uh, you could email me, and my email address is on the Facebook post, or you could just message me right through the Facebook page because I actually, you know, I, I I admin the Facebook page. So if you want to send an, uh, an inbox through there, we could do that as well. Um, and if you just want to show up on that day, you can do that also. So, you know, but I, we just want to know how many people we're going to have. So it's, it's better if we, it's better if we have a count beforehand. Yeah. And you're going to print out practice tests and all that. You want to make sure you have enough for everybody and all that stuff. So, and again, uh, this is, this is a, a, a push that's being done or some, some added tools that are being done to make sure that people who want to take on this role can, I'll, I know we did it quite a bit last time, but I'll give you another time to, to make a pitch for what it's like to be a New Bedford police officer, uh, each of you, and, and why you think people should pursue this career. We'll start with uh, Sergeant Rodericks. Yeah, and I also also want to point out one more thing. If you have signed up for this exam, now is the time to start working out. Um, going through this process, the biggest hurdle we found so far is that when it comes time to take the physical ability test, the running test, most are not ready to take that. Um, they wait until we call them and tell them we're hiring to start working out. <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna work. Okay, so if you've signed up for this exam today, start running, okay? I know a lot of people say, well, I go to the gym, I lift weights, that's not what the testing you want. It's push-ups, sit-ups, and running. Those are the three areas you should be concentrating on. And actually, we talked to Lieutenant this morning, we're thinking about doing another program where after you pass this test, we will have somebody come work out with you on Saturdays. Oh, so you can kind of give them the idea of what the workout would be. Yeah, we'll try to finalize the details on that. Um, but you know, after the after the exam, when the, when the weather gets, you know, when the weather breaks, uh, maybe after the, the after the marathon, you know, we have we have a lot of individuals in our department who are very capable of physically training individuals who have never done that type of thing before. And you know, so you have I think it's Cooper standards now for the. Yeah, but they only require yeah. a forty percentage. You have to only be in the forty percentile. To, to get into a police academy. So it's all based on age and gender. So the older you are, the more time you get. The male and females, females are allowed to do modified uh, push-ups. Uh, males have to do traditional push-ups. But uh, you have like a minute to do so many, but we feel like uh, people wait till last minute to start training. And when it's time to pass those standards, they're just not there. Yeah, I, I can imagine that that's, you know, not not the best way to do it. It's like showing up on game day without ever practicing ahead of time. Well, so. it's been our right. biggest hurdle so far. Yeah, well, and, and people over, you know, sometimes people underestimate it as well. You know, like you think uh, maybe a year or two ago you were an avid runner and you were doing two, three miles, five miles, uh, you know, a day, and you haven't for the past two years. But you think you can jump right back into it, and then when you get out there, it's like, whoa, wait a minute, <laughs> where, where did my, you know, where did my wind go? So. Uh, you know, we have we have really we have some really great people that uh, that can work with uh, 
our prospective candidates and so I'm, I'm hoping that that's something we can organize for maybe Saturday mornings every week you know uh, I'm going to talk to the chief about it and uh, but I know he's behind that type of thing so we you know we'll just we'll just finalize the details yeah it's it's not distance running you don't <laughs> right. you're trying to chase somebody down you don't have uh, time to build up speed right all right so again uh, if you want to just you know make a pitch about what it's like to be a new bedford police officer because i think people uh, people hear all of the the news stories they hear about everything that's going on they have so they have an idea of what a police officer might be just based on you know news reports that we give you know give them an idea of what they can expect and and, and how rewarding this career can be Tim, like any other job, it has its pros, it has its cons, uh, you know, and there's a, there's a, we're being painted with a, you know, kind of a negative brush lately. And I think that's, that's a lot of the reason why there are some people that don't want to uh, get into this line of work. Um, and it's understandable, but there, you know, this job, it's been good to me. Um, I've seen things and experienced things that most people will, you know, will never have the opportunity to in their lives. And uh, that's, that's been an, an enriching experience for me. It's been very fulfilling, and uh, you can you can make changes on this job. You know, people say you, you come on the job and you think you're going to change the world, uh, and you learn very quickly that you can't. Yeah, you can't change the world, and nobody can. But you can you can change and you can improve your small section of it. You know, and the people that you encounter, uh, the people that need help that you give assistance to, is it changing the world? No, it's not changing the world, but it's changing your world and it's changing their world. You know, and if if we all just if we all just do our best in our in our little corners of the world, then then things improve, you know. So, um, the job is what you make it. Um, you know, you don't have to be out there uh, writing tickets all day long. You don't have to be out there stopping calls all day long. But you you know, you you might be the type of person that that stops uh, next to a playground and, and shoots baskets with the kids. You know, that might be your thing, and that's something that we we desperately need as well. You know, uh, you it, it's a, it's a people job, and um, you know. It, again, it is what you make it. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I really don't know much different. I started <laughs> here uh, with the Bethel Police Department right out of high school. Um, but I've grown up here. Um, some of the guys and girls, uh, you know, they saw they came there when I had my first kid. Uh, they were at my wedding. Um, you know, these are lifetime bonds that I'll have with these people. Um, we're a big family. Um, sometimes we argue, sometimes we fight. But, you know, when it comes down to it, we all have each other's back. We all love each other. Um, you know, I wouldn't have changed anything that I've done so far in my life. This is this has been one of the most rewarding things. Um, I'm very proud that I'm a police officer. I think my kids are very proud that I'm a police officer. Um, you know, so I wouldn't change anything. And uh, and you should all be uh, doing so as well. Uh, those of you who want to pursue this career, uh, if you haven't signed up for the test already, you know it'll be coming around again next year. Yeah. And uh, but for those who have, definitely take advantage of these opportunities to get yourself better prepared. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for joining us today and for sharing this information. And again, they can keep their eye on the New Bedford Police Department Facebook page for more details. Yes, I can. Yeah, we'll be updating. Uh, I probably will update with the location uh, today. And uh, I also thank you for your bravery, Tim, because, you know, I am not, uh, it, it, I tell everybody that I work with, you know, I'll, I'll do what I have to do, but uh, when it comes to ghosts, you're on your own. So <laughs> thank, thank you very much for what you do as well. Listen, I know there's going to be one of these days where you guys call me and you're like, listen, we, gotta, we were just at this call and there's something going on here. And uh, I've actually had, not from your department, but other departments that have pulled up here after a spooky South Coast and said either something like, hey, listen, I got to tell you a story. Or in one particular case, do you know a good medium? 
because we've got yeah. a cold case that we could use a little help on. So <laughs> the police do lean on the paranormal more than people no, that's realize. Right. Sometimes we watch uh, shows, you know, that have to do with the paranormal. And, uh, you know, it's as police officers, we walk into uh, dangerous situations, uh, you know, not every day, but, you know, with some frequency. And uh, sometimes, you know, I see people, you know, sleeping in a house overnight where, uh this is supposed to be supernatural activity, and I'm like, nope, <laughs> that would not, that would not be me. Listen, the scariest part of being a paranormal investigator is walking into somebody's house and not knowing anything about like who they are as people. The same same challenges police right. officers face. Right. You know, you don't know what you're walking into when you walk into that house. So the only yeah. difference is most of the people we deal with just want to be on TV. The people that you deal with are like, we don't want to be on cops. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back on the other side, we will talk more with you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thanks, Tim. 60500. If you want to call in and chime in, uh, we've got a lot that we can discuss this morning. Going to first start off on a nostalgic note. We talked about it a little bit the last couple of days, uh, and I've been working on it for a couple of days, but I now have my story up about King's Castle Land on the WBSM app and at WBSM.com with a bunch of photos. So if you, A, if you went there and you haven't thought about some of those King's Castle Land memories in a long time. Those photos will probably jog some of those memories. And also, if you've never been, you'll have an idea of some of what was in the park. Uh, now, I ran into some issues trying to get photos for the story. There's a Facebook group that has a lot of photos that's linked up in the story. And I, I shared that link so that you can go in there and join it and see those photos for yourself. I wanted to include a lot of those in the story, but, uh, you know, our company has you know follows all the rules about everything with copyrights and all that stuff and they had suggested i reach out to every individual uh person and ask permission to use their photos and i didn't want to wait for all that and some of the people weren't getting back to me so instead what i did is i took some screenshots uh from a video which is something that we're you know allowed to do but the quality might not just be as good as it would be you know from a regular photograph so because it's photo, it's it's screenshots of 1980s VHS, so it's a little bit grainy. It's not as clear definition. Click the link to join the Facebook group if you want to see some really good photos that people have uploaded over the years. Uh, and also, there's a couple of videos in there with Clarence Whitney, who was the a longtime owner of King's Castle Land, where he talks about the park, he talks about the toy store, and he talks about the uh, model of King's Castle Land that he built in his basement after the park had closed. So if you want to take a trip down memory lane, or maybe you've never heard of it, you know, it was just a, a short drive down Route 18, you know, maybe 35, 40 minutes down Route 18. It was there from really since the 1940s. The original owner, Joe King, put some rides behind his restaurant in the 1940s and early 50s. Uh, and then in the 1960s, I think 68, it was purchased by Clarence and his wife, Pauline, and then they really expanded the park. And for a lot of folks, you know, that, that went there over the years, it was kind of their starter amusement park. You know, it's where they went as kids and then they worked their way up to a place like Lincoln Park or Rocky Point. Um, but uh, some people probably haven't thought about King's Castle Land for years. It was always part of my life because growing up in that area, it was a short drive. But you might, you know, you might have never heard of it. Or you might have forgotten about it. So that's why I wanted to write that article. And I'm already getting some information from people about where some of the 
um, attractions that were at that park have ended up after it closed in 1994 and they auctioned everything off. So I'm looking forward to being able to, to trace down some of those things and maybe write a follow-up article. So again, I'll, I'll put the call out. If you have King's Castle Land photos and information that you want to share, Tim at WBSM.com or you can send it to me um, via app chat on the WBSM app or you can send it uh, using the send audio video button on the app. Lots of ways to reach out and share information with us. If you do have uh, photos and videos to share, just please, you know, give me your name so that I can properly credit you in case we write something in the future. One of the things that I, I found interesting about taking that dive into the history of the park is there were parts of the park that I, I had kind of forgotten were somewhat innovative. It's certainly for an amusement park in this area, you know, it was stuff that you probably weren't seeing outside of a place like Disney World, but it was stuff that the Whitney's put together on their own. Like when you walked into the park, you, I mistakenly thought you walked into the park by walking through their toy store, which I guess was not the case. Uh, you, there was a ticket booth and an entranceway, and you would walk into the uh, castle right in the front, and you would go over the drawbridge, and you would go, or the, the you know the bridge over the moat, and there were alligators in in the water. Not real alligators, but like animatronic a a alligators. That when you pressed a button, their mouths would open, which was pretty cool for the time, for sure. They had a water bubbler, a drinking fountain that was inside the head of a lion. So you put your head in the lion to get a drink of water. And Clarence Whitney talks in one of the videos about how you had to put your head in and roar to start the water coming out of it. So you had a motion-activated water bubbler. I don't think you had to you know, necessarily roar. You just had to make some kind of noise. But that's pretty cool. That's innovative stuff that you wouldn't expect in what was basically a mom-and-pop backyard amusement park. So read more about all that at WBSM.com and on the app. Share it with people who you think might remember King's Castle Land or maybe there's people in your life that you've told about it and they're like, I don't remember that. What are you talking about? You can share that article with them and then they can get a little bit more of an idea of what it's all about. But I'm already seeing great memories and comments from people remembering it. And that's, that's what I like to do. I like to keep the spirit of some of these things alive. I think we do a great job here of... Um, bringing up things that you might not have known or places that you might have forgotten about. And that's why I like having the ability to do this, these nostalgia type stories because it allows us to keep the history of the area alive and puts it into a written digital format. So not only will it get, give you something that you can read now, but it's something you can go back to later when you talk about it or think about it or just want to take a trip down memory lane, it's kind of giving us the opportunity to have a written record of all of the great, cool things that we've had in this area over time. They say, Oh, I, you know, I wish it was still like that. I wish places like that were still open. I don't know that you could have a place like King's castle land today. Uh, part of the reason that they, the Whitney's retired in 1994 was because insurance costs had gone through the roof and I think insurance would prevent somebody from starting a park like that today without the backing of something like a Six Flags 
or one of these, you know, major corporations like Universal, the bigger con- the bigger companies that that put their the power of their legal departments and the pocketbooks of their legal departments behind these parks, I think that's why those are able to survive because they can afford those giant insurance bills. But a place like King's Castle Land that I'm sure, you know, just barely made it, I don't think that the Whitney's were rich by any sense of the any stretch of the imagination, you would have issues today keeping up with that insurance. I mean, I as somebody who puts on one day single night paranormal events, I can tell you that the uh, the insurance costs just to get coverage for those are they take up a huge chunk of what I have to charge people for those events. Anywhere from 100 to 300 to 400 to sometimes $800 for a single night's coverage. So I can only imagine what it's like to have an amusement park where people can get hurt, where there can be accidents, where rides can malfunction. I can only imagine what that would cost. And an independent owner has no no hope of keeping up with that. Anyway, 508-996-0500 is the number to call in and chime in. You can also hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. We'll take our next break, and we'll be right back. 1420 WBS. song you might have heard when you went to King's Castle Land, right? Martika, Toy Soldiers. Uh, that, by the way, people don't talk enough about Kids Incorporated. You hear a lot of people talk about the Mickey Mouse Club, the 90s return of the Mickey Mouse Club and how it led to stars such as uh, Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, and I believe J.C. Chazé of uh, of NSYNC was also part of the Mickey Mouse Club. People talk about, and was was Ryan Phillippe one of them? I think so. So there were a number of stars that came out of the Mickey Mouse Club in the 90s, but people don't talk enough about Kids Incorporated, which is like a precursor of what the return of the Mickey Mouse Club was like. It was a show about a group of singing and dancing kids, and some of the storylines surrounding their nightly performances at this club. I think Mario Lopez got a start there. Uh, Martika had a pretty good career for herself in the 80s. Kind of a bit of a one-hit wonder. 
but that was a big, big song. And then uh, Fergie, who later had success with the Black Eyed Peas and some solo work, she was one of the members of Kids Incorporated as well. She was just Stacy back then. But it was um, it was another hit maker. So if you forgot about Kids Incorporated, you can find some episodes on YouTube. I don't think it's streaming anywhere because they sang popular songs of the time. So there's rights issues with being able to, to release it. But I do think that there is um, there is some videos on YouTube because I know I've gone back and watched some of them. Anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, there is a story that I want to direct your attention to. And it's in the Boston Globe magazine, and it's you can read it online. And it's a, it, it's a speaking of the New Bedford Police Department. This is a story that is a bombshell story regarding an officer in the New Bedford Police Department being involved with the girlfriend of an alleged drug dealer. A romantic, a romantic relationship between the officer and the woman that went on for many years. And the report details exactly how, or the allegations of how, Jared Lucas, who became a detective in the gang unit, utilized his relationship with this woman, Carly Medeiros, to gain information about her fiancé. And his alleged drug dealing operation without telling her that she was a confidential informant. And without having her sign any paperwork or, uh, you know, the, the necessary steps required to have somebody become a criminal informant. Basically, a detective having an affair with the fiance of an alleged drug dealer. And utilizing that relationship to gain information. And now, unbeen, you know, unknowingly, it wasn't like she gave this information up willingly. They, I mean, they had conversations that she didn't realize were going to be used against her fiancé. And now, she's viewed as a snitch and has had to leave the city and go live in another community. And there are parts of the city that she can't return to. Because she's seen as a snitch when she was not intentionally snitching on her fiance. And it's it, the story itself is is mind blowing. If you have a chance to read it, it's a uh, it's lengthy, but they provide you with all the details. And now because of this relationship, which Carly Medeiros has submitted a sworn affidavit explaining Everything that went on. The attorneys for Jared Lucas deny that this is true. So this will all kind of have to play out in court. But this affidavit is not only being used to perhaps keep her fiance out of jail. But now there are other people in, in jail right now awaiting trial who think that this affidavit can help them as well with their cases because it proves that certain members of the New Bedford Police Department were gaining information in less than um, acceptable ways. 
And the story uh, in the Boston Globe details some of those methods. Now, the detective Jared Lucas is no longer with the New Bedford Police Department. He left the department in 2021. Not because of this, but because of some other issues. But it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, because what will that mean going forward for some of these other cases, first of all? In the story, you know, in the story, Carly Medeiros has no problem discussing, you know, that she was a heroin addict at certain times during this multi-year relationship with the police detective. Her fiancé, the alleged drug dealer, uh, Stephen Ortiz, I believe is his name. Yes. He has forgiven her. They're still together. He has tried to help her through her drug addiction. But they have both now had targets put on their back because of how this information was acquired. So it's it's really a very interesting story. I recommend reading it. Again, it's a little bit lengthy, but it lays it all out for you. And I don't I don't know where it goes or what it means, but we'll certainly keep an eye on it. So check that out at the uh, the Boston Globe magazine. Uh, you can also read it on boston.com, bostonglobe.com. It is titled an alleged drug trafficker, a detective trying to take him down, and the woman caught in the middle. All right, I got to take my final break of the hour. When we come back, we'll talk more with you. Uh, the phone lines will be open for the rest of the program, 508-996-0500, or you can hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. We'll be right back. If you want to hear everything. Uh, listen, it's a day where it's going to be a little bit warmer today. It's going to be around 50 degrees, which is uh, pretty good, considering how much the... Uh, Weather has been kind of up and down throughout the course of this week. The rain, the mist, uh, but at least it's a little bit warmer out there. Maybe you might even want to open up a window. You haven't had your window open for a little while. Then you open it up and you realize, hey, wait, the screen is ripped. I got to get that fixed before the spring and the bugs start to come in. Well, you know who can do that for you? Precision Window and Kitchen. Because not only do they do the big jobs like replacing all the windows in your home, replacing your entry doors, remodeling your kitchen, remodeling your bathroom, not only will they do all of those big jobs, but they also do the little jobs. The little jobs that other companies don't want to do because they've been doing it for over 35 years. So they've seen everything. They can handle everything and they know how to do everything. So they'll come to your house. They'll take the the, bust, the busted screen. They'll take your busted pane of glass out of one little part of your window, whatever it might be. They will uh, repair it either on site or they'll take it back to their shop, fix it up bring it back and properly install it so that you don't have to worry about messing it up again as you're trying to put it back in yourself. They take care of all of it from start to finish. That's the kind of service that they offer at Precision Window and Kitchen in New Bedford. So, again, you don't need a big job to get their attention. If you reach out to them, they will get back to you. Precision Window and Kitchen is the South Coast's clear choice for windows, doors, kitchen and bathroom models, repairs, and more. You can stop by their showroom at 1111 Cushioned Avenue in New Bedford. You can call them at 508-990-3576, or you can visit them at precisionwindowandkitchen.com. That's precisionwindowandkitchen.com. We were talking about that story in the Boston Globe regarding the woman who uh, inadvertently 
turned into a, a CI for a police detective during their romantic relationship that they were having behind the back of her fiance, an alleged drug dealer. And I say alleged just because the, the case hasn't been heard yet. Um, and we got an app chat message uh, from Polly in New Bedford who says, She's a junkie, and her former boyfriend are grasping at straws to stay out of jail. This guy was flooding the streets of New Bedford, and he got caught because of good police work. Um, I mean, when it comes to the case itself, it, it, it seems that way. But also, if this detective was cultivating information um, in that relationship and not making her aware of it, you know, is that information usable? That's something that, that they're going to have to make a decision about. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 